Welcome to the NCO Journal Podcast, where we explore NCO professional development. This is a podcast series where we discuss published articles with authors and provide a forum for the open exchange of ideas, information, and solutions. I'm your host, Staff Sergeant Brandon Cox, Senior Editor of the NCO Journal. With us is Sergeant First Class's Valdo Akite, the NCOIC of the NCO Journal. Today we discuss the article, Alcohol in the Army, a Toxic Relationship, with retired Command Sergeant Major Gabriel Arnold. He's a chair for the U.S. Department of Army Operations at the U.S. Army Sergeant Majors Academy. We also welcome special guests, Command Sergeant Major Justin Shad, the Director of Emergency Services for Fort Leavenworth, and Command Sergeant Major Jason Porras, the Army University Command Sergeant Major. Thank you for joining us. Before we kick things off, Sergeant Major Arnold, could you please tell us a bit about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Um, my name is Gabe Arnold. I'm a retired Command Sergeant Major. I did 32 years in the Army. Background is CBRN. And currently I work as a uh, army civilian professional as the chair of the department of army operations. And that's pretty much me. And with us is special guest, Sergeant Major Justin Shad. Yeah, sure. Thanks, Sergeant Cox. Uh, Sergeant Major Shad, uh, former brigade and uh, battalion CSM here at Fort Leavenworth. My background is military police. And also I'm a, I'm a re- recovering alcoholic of uh, 26 years. And Sergeant Major Jason Porras, can you please tell us a bit about yourself? Yes, Sergeant Major uh, Jason Porras. I'm currently the Army University Sergeant Major. Uh, my brigade time was the Commandant of the NCO Academy up in Jay Bear, Alaska. And my battalion, I was a Special Troops Battalion uh, Sergeant Major at uh, Fort Bliss under 1st Armored Division. And Sergeant Major Arnold, what inspired you to write this article? So uh, the, the first significant event is I did receive a field grade Article 15 for a DUI in 1990 while stationed in uh, Baumholder, Germany. That was the first time I had been in any trouble up until that point. Um, second, I have I've seen alcohol destroy uh, some pretty strong military careers, uh, both junior and senior. Uh, and and I did continue to reflect upon how I behaved as a senior leader. And uh, I think there was there were many times I can remember where I participated in glamorizing alcohol. Uh, and lastly, <clears throat> alcohol has also impacted several family members of mine. So those are the two reasons why I uh, chose to write about alcohol and the Army. You started off your article with saying that the, the issue with alcohol, and you bring up a lot of good points. You talk about um, um, how the Army is prone to using alcohol, that we're, that we're at risk for that. And so maybe if you can talk a little bit about the why the Army is more at risk at being uh, abusing alcohol. Well, um, there's a few reasons. I mean, and, and there's many more than I'm going to talk about, but... One, alcohol is both legal and very accessible. Um, and though, I, in my opinion, I don't think alcohol is as glamorized today than in the past, but it, it's still in it inadvertently glamorized. You know, a couple examples are military balls, socials, hail and farewells, icebreakers um, within the barracks and, and housing. Um, I'm not an expert, but, um, you know, folks, folks do typically like the way it makes them feel when, 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 and so when you're feeling good, you want to stay feeling good. So you keep on drinking. Uh, this can lead to increased tolerance, which leads to more drinking to achieve the buzz you're looking for. And then, you know, that could turn into alcoholism. Uh, I think how this affects the army. I talked to pretty specific in the article, you know, when I talked about the 2006 report, you know, on the loss of work days and arrests, 
and cost to the military overall. But, uh, you know, uh, one point I'll make is currently we are failing to meet our recruiting objectives, which makes retention even more important. Right now, I think the math is we, we only have three of 10 17 to 21 year olds that qualify to join based on physical restrictions, medical and criminal histories. So, you know, losing soldiers to alcohol abuse further threatens our ability to maintain an all volunteer force. Well said. Sergeant Major Shad, do you have something to add to that? Yeah, thanks, Sergeant Cox. So I think, you know, uh, in the military, we have a different, uh, re regardless of what MOS or what, what your duty description is, we have a different type of stress that we deal with on a daily basis. And, you know, Sergeant Major Arnold kind of hit on it too. You know, alcohol is legal, right, first and foremost. And, you know, I can only speak from my uh, experience and and how alcohol affected my my life um, for, for for the many years that I drank. But uh, you know, many times you see that in the army, you know, the social outlet that that soldiers um, rely on or soldiers get into is hanging out, you know, having a few beers, which is fine. Look, it's okay to you know have a couple beers. Um, however, comma when it becomes a problem, and that couple beers turns into you know, a 12 pack plus, and then you you have soldiers that find themselves in certain situations going down that road where um, it becomes, a, you know, an addiction, right? And then it becomes self-destructing um, in a lot of different ways. So, you know, alcohol is prevalent in and out of the Army. Um, first and foremost, it's legal. Um, and, and, and again, there's still, you know, a lot of cases where soldiers use it as a, a stress outlet, right, to relieve stress and, um, and then, you know, at times for some folks, it turns into something that becomes harmful um, as the years go on. Yeah, we have a lot of experience here in, in years in the Army. And maybe, Sergeant Major Porras, I'll, I'll shoot this out to you if you want to talk a little bit about your experience and, and alcohol in the Army as far as uh, when did you first see it or when was it, at, you know, how often was it included in, in events and things like that? I appreciate it, Sergeant Akite. So for me, uh, I'll say uh, first and foremost, I'm, I'm a recovering alcoholic. I stopped drinking about four years ago, which uh, you do the math. I drank 20 years solid, uh, seven days a week, you know, minus field exercises, deployments and stuff like that. Uh, and, and I'll say that alcohol for, for myself, I can't speak for everybody. It was a coping mechanism for me. It's a way to de-stress. I'd get home, relax, have a couple drinks, and then, uh, you know, start off just, you know, small drinking, uh, small amounts, small quantities. And I think where the issue for myself was is when I started to build up that tolerance. Uh, and then I became a very functioning alcoholic, a high-functioning alcoholic, where I'd have to drink a lot more uh, than I did previously. And I realized couldn't afford to go out and drink, so I'd drink at the house. And, and all it really takes is one bad day. You add alcohol to just about any other event, and it can have a significant impact negatively on your career and, and those you lead and those that have uh, invested in you. Um, so I'll say that um, it's it's probably always been an issue. I appreciate what Sergeant Major Arnold said, that it's not as glamorized today as it has been in the past. I think that's correct. Uh, previously, it's been one of those things where uh, an event is kind of uh, the focus is alcohol-centered. Uh, a, a lot of times now it's not the case, but I would say uh, it started off early when I first joined the Army, uh, the first, first uh, interaction with fellow soldiers uh, all involved some sort of alcohol. 
Uh, and then you start drinking socially, and then you build up that tolerance. You keep going, and then as you build up that tolerance, you got to drink more and more and more and more frequent uh, to reach that buzz or reach whatever it is that you're trying to achieve and cope with. And, uh, you know, one or two drinks doesn't help you cope or relieve stress. Uh, and then you fall on that path, and I think uh, over time it's just not good for, for your health, and it's not it's not fair to your soldiers that you lead as well. So uh, it's one of those things that you have to you have to make that step. Uh, to seek to get help, or you got to make that step to consciously decide to uh, quit or reduce alcohol consumption. I chose to quit on my own. I didn't seek help. Um, and luckily for me, my spouse doesn't drink, and I'd say that's the one reason I'm able to maintain where I'm at today. Uh, but during those four years, I have drank, and I'd say those have been mostly military-oriented events where alcohol was a focus, and I would, uh, you know, have one or two drinks, or you know, hold a beer and milk it the whole night, uh, so I didn't get asked or pressured into drinking. So that was my experience. Yeah, so there's a responsibility here that leaders have, you know, introducing or maybe uh, choosing what kind of drinks they have at, at certain events. And so uh, that's what another thing that Sergeant Major Arnold, you mentioned in your article here is that, you know, leaders need to take an active approach into not glamorizing alcohol. Can you talk a little bit about that? Where I was going with that is just, you know, not definitely making an effort to not make the focus centered on alcohol. Um, you know, I, I, I I've been to senior leaders' house, and, and, and I'm I'm guilty of this as well, where you know they'll they'll hold a, a social at their house, and from the battalion level all the way to the division level. When I was a post CSM at uh, Fort Knox, I mean, about ninety percent of the time, the focal point when I would go over senior leaders' house and when I would host would be alcohol. I'm talking about beer, wine, liquor, and I mean plenty of it. So, you know, I think I think it would help overall uh, to not sponsor events like that. Even though, you know, as Sergeant Major Shad said, you know, it's 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 fun getting together and having a couple beers. But the problem is, is when folks don't set parameters and things get out of control and and the problem grows and you know it. It really, it's, it's, it's a readiness issue. What can junior soldiers do to make a change? You know, a couple of things, and I'm not trying to sound like, you know, I, I know everything, but this would be a couple of pieces of advice. Um, one, I think it starts with junior leaders basically abstaining from drinking in front of their soldiers um, or telling stories about how drunk they've gotten in the past. If, if, a, senior, if a junior leader is going to decide to drink in front of their soldiers and it has one or two drinks, you know, don't, don't make it a point to immediately go out to your car and drive away. That's, you know, again, sets a bad example. Um, I think junior leaders need to maintain a, a bit of professional separation with their soldiers. And, and this does not mean you cannot joke around or laugh or eat together, you know, et cetera. But I would abstain from like throwing barbecues at your house and providing or allowing the consumption of alcohol um, as, as the focus. So that would be a couple pieces of advice on that. Sorry, Major Shad, with your experience, what would you recommend for a junior enlisted? Yeah, I think uh, spot on by Sergeant Major Arnold. But I think, you know, for me, I look at it as uh, just being transparent, right? So, um, you know, we, I still encounter, you know, I encountered in, in my last two duty positions where, you know, a lot of incidents that took place, you know, um, when it came to readiness and when it came to indiscipline, alcohol was a common denominator, right? And, you know, I think in the Army we still have an issue with, you know, that young team leader maybe, you know, um, drinking, right, with his soldiers at times, right, 
Um, and, and that's the kind of stuff that we need to get after, right? The Sergeant Major Arnold said it too, is, is, you know, you hear a lot of times I've heard soldiers telling what I would call war stories, right? Ta- telling about, you know, stories back, you know, that, stories that had alcohol involved or, you know, a story of when they were at a bar or a club with fellow soldiers and, you know, alcohol was involved and something happened. But, you know, it takes that one leader, um, just like it took back in 1996 when I was a private, to have the intestinal fortitude to stand up and say, hey, man, you know, this is this is not right. Um, and the fraternization piece is a whole other topic, of course, but I think that's still something we, we battle in the Army, and, and I think we always will. It's, it's a human nature thing, right? Um, and we've been talking about it for the 27 years that I've been in the Army, and, and it's just what it is. But... Um, you know, I think at times soldiers feel pressure, right? So that young soldier, per se, that comes into the Army and he finds himself hanging out with his young NCO and everyone's drinking and he's the odd guy or girl out because um, he doesn't drink much or he may not drink at all. They may not drink at all. They might find themselves quickly grabbing that, that, that beer, right, just to fit into that to that social circle, that so- social norm. Um, and, and that's something that, you know, that young leaders need to kind of, you know, get after, Um you know, not not putting that peer pressure is what I call it on some folks to, you know, reach out and grab that beer or seeing that that battle buddy that, you know, drinks too much. Right. It's it's pretty obvious when someone's drinking a, a little too much or, you know, getting a little out of control to kind of police them up. Um, it's easier said than done. I get it. You know, it's easy to sit here and say that. But um, to put it in the action is something that's 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 easier said than done. Yeah, it sounds like from what I'm hearing here, it's says alcohol itself is not the the problem here i think it's the you know going to that as as a stress reliever or building a tolerance to it or seeing that as a way to to fit in so it's maybe just the the use of it and the abuse of it for our, our young ncos out there what are some of the things that they can look out for to see if somebody is being abusive of that alcohol Hey, I'll jump on that, sir. So, so you know, for me, and I can only speak for myself again. Is is and and I won't get long winded with my whole story. Um, there's a couple articles out, but uh, I don't. First and foremost, listen. I don't blame the army. No one in the army ever for, told me or gave me an order that I had to take a drink of alcohol. Right? I don't blame the army for my alcoholism. Um, however, comma, you know, what was interesting in my in my situation was, you know, I I sought help as a sitting brigade CSM. And I don't say that to, to, to brag. I don't say that for, you know, any of that stuff. What I, I say that for is one thing, you know, I learned a lot through the process. And one thing that was interesting to me was when I when I came out um, and and uh, made it pretty public that I was seeking help for, for my alcohol alcoholism, there was many folks, and I say many, there was many folks that, you know, word got back to me that I'd served with through the years um, from back when I was a young E5, young staffs aren't. Um, and these folks are senior folks now that made comments such as, um, we knew he had a problem for years. We knew he drank too much, you know, and I don't blame those leaders. I don't any way, shape or form blame those leaders. However, um, and I'm guilty of this too, you know, why didn't they say something at the time? You know, I don't know. Would that have stopped me from drinking? No. Right. Um, so to answer the question is first and foremost, identifying those soldiers that are that are taking part in that high risk behavior that are abusing alcohol. Right. Um, and, and, and approaching the or having that conversation with them 
and that's uncomfortable at times, right? Um, but that's something you need to do because you, that that that's the pre- prevention piece. You know, at the end of the day, you may end up saving that soldier's life, or you may uh, may end up, you know, talking to the soldier and realizing, hey, the reason they're drinking, right, is because of X, Y, and Z, and you're going to uncover, you know, that they're having family issues or financial issues or whatever the case may be, and you you get you get left to the boom um, with with some issues that your soldiers are having. So, the bottom line really is is, you know. And again, in my experience, you know, a lot of folks knew that, I, you know, I was the, I was the life of the party, I guess, per se. Right. But that was that's what I was known as. And that's that was, you know, in, and when I got help, there was folks that were like, well, yeah, I mean, we all knew that. But, you know, they they you got to have the courage to 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 as a young leader to say, hey, pull your young soldiers aside and uh, have that conversation. Like, look, man, you're you know. You were drinking a lot, X, Y, and Z, and um, you'd be amazed what you learned. What was the point in time that gave you the courage to seek help for yourself? Yeah, Sergeant Cox, that's a, I've been asked that question several times, and that's a great question. Um, so, again, not to get too long-winded, but, um, you know, a lot of folks talk about rock bottom and, you know, situation. We see a lot of soldiers reach out for help after the fact, right? After the fact of they got a DUI or a drunk on duty, and then, you know, hey, I got to go to ASAP, uh, Sudsy, you know, and get help. Um, for me, it was a series of events, right? I didn't get in any any trouble per se, but I was self-destructing. Um, I drank for so long that it was starting to, to have some serious impacts on my, my marriage, my uh, professional career, and my health, quite honestly. So I have no really like cool story to say, hey, X, Y, and Z happened and I went to seek help. But what I do, what I, what I can tell you is there was a series of things over years and years that finally got me to, to, to reach out to get help. And uh, at the end of the day, it saved my life. I want to I want to chime in real fast if I can. So I want to take a moment to uh, recognize Sergeant Major Shad and him stepping up to get help. Uh, one thing that I think that there's an issue with, and it's not an army issue; it's an individual issue. Uh, I quit drinking as well as a sergeant major. So when I was in position as a sergeant major, so did Sergeant Major Shad. And I'll say that uh, I chose not to seek help through the army system, SUDC or anything like that. Uh, and, and the reason I chose not to do that is I felt the position I was in was too important, too significant. I was scared to seek help in that position. Um, so I quit on my own. And for a guy that's in a sitting brigade CSM position to go out and seek help, uh, I think that speaks volumes. And, and my point of this is uh, I hope that people listening, uh, whether you're a squad leader, uh, team leader, first sergeant, platoon sergeant, your job is not too important to seek help because you owe it to the soldiers, your future soldiers, your current soldiers that you're going to lead at higher levels or at the level you're currently leading at to go get that help at the time. Um, looking back, I wish I'd got help. Um, I wish I'd have taken that step and said, hey, look, I got it. I'm a SAR major. Important in my own eyes, right? Uh, too important to actually leave and get that help. Uh, so I chose to do it on my own significantly harder. Uh, I, I wouldn't say harder. It's not easy to quit drinking regardless if you're doing, uh, but without a support system, I, I could see a lot of people failing at doing it. Uh, again, as I said earlier, my wife doesn't drink. So that was huge for me. Uh, if I was surrounded by people who did drink and I didn't have a support system, I think I would have failed. So I just want to recognize our major Shad for taking that big step and showing people what right looks like. And hopefully they go out and seek help too. And if we get one or two soldiers to quit drinking or, you know, to get it under control, uh, I think today's podcast is a success. 
So there are signs, right? There are signs. Sergeant Major Porter, you mentioned being a functioning alcoholic, but there are some signs that you can, uh, you know, that you can see from soldier from somebody's behavior. You can see that they're abusing alcohol. Sergeant Major Shad, you mentioned uh, problems with relationships and things like that. But what are some of those signs, and and what could NCOs out there um, pick up on that may, may kind of give them a hint that somebody's abusing alcohol? I'll throw it out to uh, Sergeant Major Porter. Yeah, for me, so I, I would say, first and foremost, alcohol is the easy button. When you're looking at coping, alcohol is, like we stated earlier, it's, uh, it's legal, easily accessible. So for you to say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use this as a coping mechanism and you're going to start drinking, uh, people that drink a lot, they tend to talk about it. Uh, like we talked about, we tell the cool war stories about what you did last weekend. Um, so when people start sharing stories weekend after weekend after weekend or during the week, uh, it's time to say, hey, man, are you, do you have, are, are you okay? Do you have any other outlet or is that your sole outlet? Uh, that's the experience I had. It's not hard to find someone who drinks alcohol and, and maybe has a problem because they stayed it quite a bit. The scary part is the people that you don't know that have a problem. The people, I don't want to say closet drinkers, but those people that hide it well, uh, those are a little more hard to find and those people are just as much at risk. But I would say a lot of the people that have a drinking problem uh, openly talk about it. Uh, Sergeant Major Arnold, do you have anything to add to that? Really enjoying what you guys have to say, um, and 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 I, I also appreciate Sergeant Major Shad's uh, comment about not blaming the Army. Yeah, uh, you know, blaming the Army organization as a whole—that's that's not what the responsibility lies. Yeah, I, I think that it's 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 my opinion that the the greatest weapon a senior leader can have or a junior leader can have, as far as let's see, let's say detecting signs of alcoholism, is to know their soldiers, and so you know, defining exactly what that looks like is, is difficult. You know, we do a lot of texting, we do emailing, we do social media, and all those platforms I think are, are good. You know, that's just the way things are. But we also have to spend some time and put in some effort with face-to-face -face trying to get to know our people. I think that is our greatest weapon as it relates to being able to detect a possible issue and stop it before it becomes a problem. I'd like to. I think it's important to to define one of the things that you focus on your in your article here. Uh, one of the main focuses of your, of your article, uh, Mr. Arnold, is is the uh, glamorization. I think defining that. What do you what do you mean exactly by glamorizing alcohol? It's it's centering the focus on alcohol. Meaning, one as a junior soldier. This is an example of glamorizing alcohol. So, same duty station, bomb holder Germany, as a young. Uh, private. I, I was 19 years old. I had drank in high school. At the time in Germany, they had not moved the age limit up to 21 yet. So, I mean, I just kind of picked up where I left off and we'd go out to Grafenbeer, you know, once every quarter or six months, I can't remember. And I was with an artillery unit. So we'd go, you know, go out there to train and the typical battle rhythm had us going out to the field for about five days and coming back uh, for two days to recover. And when we'd come back in for recovery and we were done with that first day, uh, what would happen is the S4 would buy a, just a ton of beer. And we would use uh, uh, the hard stand that we used for the dining facility when we were in the rear to uh, to basically, you know, uh, congregate and, you know, try to have a lot of fun, drink a lot, uh, dominoes, spades, um, and what have you. But what, what was significant is at the time, the battery first sergeant would put the battery in a mass formation and march every single soldier to the beer tent. 
Now, I'm not trying to say that like that's heinous, but that definitely is glamorizing alcohol, you know, in my opinion. I didn't think about it when I was young, but um, yeah. So, I mean, as a senior leader, uh, again, you know, battalion through division level, I mean, it's it's senior leaders conducting these socials and again, making alcohol kind of the focus of the event, it, 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 if you would. Um, those are a couple of examples of what glamorizing alcohol means to me. I'll add on to that too, um, what Sergeant Major Arnold was talking about, in my opinion. So, you know, and I'm guilty of this, right, before I, I got help from alcoholism. So a good example when, when, I, when I look at or hear people say glamorizing alcohol, and again, this is from my experience, is uh, let's say you have a battalion-level event, uh, and, uh, you know, let's be honest, we, we, folks will start to have a few beers, right? And from my experience, it, a lot of folks are quick to find or quick to ask the question, hey, why doesn't uh, First Sergeant Shad drink? Or, hey, man, you want a beer? And you kind of can watch the non-alcohol, the, the non-drinker, excuse me, um, as the night goes on, kind of do what they have to do, shake hands with they, who they have to shake hands with, and check the block that they were at that event and leave. And again, from my experience, then as the night goes on, it becomes a, a drunk fest, right? It becomes the people, the folks, the senior folks, and, and it, this was me, right, that drank um, along with the other senior NCOs and officers um, staying and continuing to drink. Um, and see, folks see that, right, because those stories spread, Um you know, it doesn't take long, you know, you start hearing stories about how the, you know, the battalion sergeant major was there drinking until the wee hours of the night with X, Y, and Z. Um, and, and that's just one example of how at times I think that alcohol is glamorized. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting now um, that I find myself in situations since I've quit drinking. And, you know, most folks know that I don't drink. A lot of folks know my story. And that's great, right? But I've been in a few situations where they don't know my story, and it's like, hey, what's up with this guy? He doesn't drink. Just like I would have done when I was drinking, kind of like that, you know, that saying, hey, you don't trust anybody that doesn't drink. You know, you become become the odd guy or odd girl out. Um, and I've never felt that before, right, until I quit drinking. So now I kind of see from the other side how some folks have felt, um, non-drinkers, let's say, or people that could just drink socially, all right? Um how some of those folks have felt in, in those social situations um, throughout their careers. Yeah, just saying things like that, just saying things like, um, I don't trust anybody that doesn't drink, is glamorizing alcohol, right? It's saying that there is a specific uh, circle of trust kind of among people that dr do drink kind of glamorizes that alcohol. So I think that was, those are pretty good examples about uh, of what leaders can do at a minimal level to like bigger, you know, hosting of events and things but I think the biggest takeaway is is not taking those signs that we see, not not seeing those conversations happening around the the water cooler kind of thing, and taking them lightly, and then maybe approaching them is what what NCOs can do directly to to kind of you know stop somebody from reaching those having those stories of of you know I destroyed this my career and things like that. Yeah, and it goes back Sergeant Shed again. It goes back to Sergeant Major Arnold said knowing your soldiers, right? And I've heard that my whole career like we all have, right? And and I'm guilty of it. Okay? So 
you know, take a, a prime example would be a soldier uh, has a domestic with his spouse, okay, and uh, alcohol's involved. Well, you know, the team leader, squad leader's never even been to that soldier's place of residence or their quarters. So, you know, the first time they're stepping foot into that soldier's, that NCO's, uh, or excuse me, that soldier's quarters is when something bad happens. And as they enter that quarters, they see, you know, a refrigerator full of booze and, a, you know, and they're like, wow, hey, this guy might have a drinking problem. Right now, they might they may have been able to get ahead of that if they would have known that that soldier had an issue. If they might have gotten ahead of that if they if they actually had been to that soldier's place of residence and saw that. Right, because if we look at again in discipline across the army, and uh, you know some of the things that the army's trying to get after, you know, alcohol is uh, a, a factor in a lot a lot of uh, indiscipline that takes part across the uh, the army. Is it getting harder to see those signs? Okay, man, my experience, you know, back in when I was a you know private specialist or whatever, we had rooms, um, the old World War II barracks kind of things. We had two people per room in bunk beds, and you had a mass shower and kitchen, and not not even a kitchen, right? Um, microwave area, but it was easier to go into different soldiers' rooms and seeing you know what they had in their trash and things like that. Um, you can see bottles being piled up and things like that. But now, with these barracks being uh, individual rooms, uh, closed off, harder to go in there. See, is it getting harder to identify or see some of these signs? Do you think, Sergeant? No, I don't think it is. I think it comes down to if you know if your soldiers respect you and they respect you as a person first and a leader, they're going to be transparent. You know, and uh, that's just my opinion. Um, but what I will say too is. Uh, a lot of true, what I would call true alcoholics, and again, I'm speaking for myself here. I don't, please don't take any of this out of context. If my leaders would have came in my room when I was a young soldier drinking, there would be no alcohol in my room because I drank it the night prior to be in my trash can, right? But really to answer your question, um, no, I don't think it's any harder. I think some leaders, and you know, use that as an excuse or use the, uh, you know, social media. They, they depend too much. You, you, we got to get back to... And this is not just alcohol related, of course, but we got to get back to like Sarmie Journal stated, you know, face to face contact, you know, eyeball to eyeball instead of using social media. So I think the main takeaway is, is it's never too late to get help. You need to find those things early on in soldiers. They could be a red flag. What's something that you either would have told yourself when you realized you had a problem or what is the thing that you would tell to the soldier you see today that you think might have a problem? What I would say to that is, um, quite simply, get help, right? Get help and have no, there's no stigma in reaching out for help. And when I say help, I'm talking for alcoholism, mental health, um, or anything else that you're facing. Because look, everybody, and I learned this from one of my bosses, my, one of my old brigade commanders that I work for, you know, he used to say this, and it's true. Everybody's going to face something in life that they can't handle on their own. Right. And if you haven't yet, you will. Right. And, and you need to have the courage and you need to have that humility to reach out for help because there is no stigma in doing that. So the, the, the first part of it is to get help. The second part, and this is kind of off the question, um, is I think we need as a collective um, across the Army, we need to do better with um, – getting the message out there when it comes to alcohol. We do great when it comes to a lot of things, and we've come a long way um, when it comes to getting after what we're calling corrosives. I think with alcohol, sometimes it's hand-waved. I think there's work that needs to be done. I think we need to start taking folks at all levels who have 
personal issues or excuse me, personal struggles with addiction and start using those folks to come out and talk. Because I'll tell you one thing, I don't think there was any alcohol class that I sat through as a young soldier that would have got me to quit drinking. In fact, I, I tell you, no, absolutely not. However, comma, like Sergeant Major said, I think if, if, if a recovering alcoholic would have came in and gave a class or someone who struggled, however you want to call it, I say recovering alcoholic because that's what I am, um, came in and told their story, their personal story, um, that goes a hell of a lot more, a hell of a lot farther with, with folks than, than, you know, and I'm sorry if I offend anybody, than somebody that's not an alcoholic standing up there flipping through slides, right? And that's just, I think we need to do better at that. And, and uh, um, so if, you, if you're struggling, my message to you is it doesn't matter what rank you were on your chest. It doesn't matter what position you're in. Get help now. Get help. There's no stigma in getting help. Get help before it's too late. Before you, you kill yourself, kill somebody else, or lose everything you work so hard, um, including your, your marriage and so on and so forth. Uh, Sergeant Major Arnold, do you have anything to add on to that? If there's anything to add, is it would be, you know, some of the regrets I have personally as a leader when I was still in uniform. And, you know, there was there was times, what I regret is, is setting a poor example when it comes to drinking. Well, I can't take it back, but at least I can write about it now. And uh, not... not uh, Set a bad example going forward. I'm still connected to the military, so that's my goal. Sergeant Major Porras. Yeah, the one thing I'll say is uh, being in a leadership position, no matter where you're at, what level, um, soldiers kind of want to be like you, and there's strength in numbers, and people want to emulate what you do. And looking back, uh, very like, very much like Sergeant Major Arnold said, I wish I, I, I set a poor example. I wish I would have done it differently. I wish the example I would have set was strong enough to get help, strong enough to quit, still be the life of the party, but being sober when I do it, setting that example where you don't need that to fit in. Um, and that's why I'm here today when I, when Sergeant Major Shad uh, was coming on. Uh, I'm his battle buddy. Me and him me and him were went classmates, Class 66, for the Sergeant's Major Academy. He's a friend of mine. Uh, I know he's going through struggles. Uh, I, I am as well. Um, so there's strength in numbers and someone that can you can relate to, talk to, share those things, and other soldiers can come to us at any time and talk to us about it. And, you know, we would share what we have to, uh, what we've experienced, what we went through. Um, and I think just setting that example uh, in a positive manner rather than in a negative manner, for me, looking back, I would have done that. I would have got help earlier knowing that my influence uh, may have negatively impacted someone else uh, along my career path. Um, so I think that's what I would have done different. As kind of a final question, I wanted to go around the room and ask from the three star majors if you guys have a recommendation or an approach to change. I think really we've we've talked about the things I think that need to happen in order for some uh, greater change to occur. One is, you know, both junior and senior leaders setting a better example, doing anything they can to not glamorize alcohol, and then adjusting the culture, making it okay to uh, seek help. And I think we've come a long way with that, especially behavioral health type issues. Alcoholism has got to fit in there too, and, and, and we got to talk about it. We got to encourage folks to get help that need help. You know, that really starts at the top, in my opinion. But leaders got to, senior leaders got to lead the way on this. And it should trickle down all the way down to the lowest level, in my opinion. So much for yeah, I'll, I'll start. I'm going to be a little bit harsh when I say this. Uh, I think the Army's quick at reacting to 
the issue at hand. For example, we have a sharp violation, a suicide, something of that nature. What do we get? We get a whole bunch of sharp briefings. We get a whole bunch of suicide briefings. We go through mandatory training. We sit through all that. We're not always getting to the root cause. And I will say that alcohol uh, oftentimes is the root cause. And instead of focusing on those other things, you find out that the person that committed X offense was also under the influence of alcohol. Not all times, but uh, it, usually um, it's not one event or it's not one infraction. It's a multitude of things. So rather than reacting to the, uh, you know, the the situation at hand, I'm not saying we don't address it. We certainly address it, but we cover all the, uh, I guess, different factors that went into why that infraction occurred, whether that's a you know suicide, sharp violation, uh, whatever whatever the case may be, looking at their root cause. And I think alcohol is almost always a contributing factor to those things. Most people don't make poor decisions when they're in the right frame of mind. And the easiest, most successful thing to get them out of the right frame of mind is the abuse of alcohol. And I think uh, uh, most of the times when you look at those things, there's, there's some kind of alcohol-related uh, incident on top of whatever else we're doing. So getting to the root cause and addressing alcoholism uh, as a focus uh, equal to, uh, if not more important than some of those other big army issues, I think is uh, important. In previous question, a recommendation for change, Sergeant Major Shad, did you have something? Yeah, thanks, Sergeant Cox. So not, and this hopefully doesn't come out arrogant, but, you know, change starts with me and change starts with every leader. And when I say leader, I'm talking from a day one private to, you know, the chief of staff of the Army, really, right? Everyone's a leader. And, w- and what I mean by that is, you know, l- listen, I I, uh, I guarantee it that uh, I, I promoted alcohol for many, many years in many, many positions in my career. And so, you know, me coming out with my story and coming out with, you know, my my uh, recovery story really, um, you know, it goes back to what Sergeant Major Porter said, is if I can help one soldier or civilian um, who's, who's battling addiction, um, if I could reach one person, one soldier – um, that gets the uh, courage to step forward and get the help that, that he or she may need, then I've done my job. And, and what I ask other leaders to do is to do the same. You know, um, if you're struggling with, with, with addiction or mental health, you know, struggles, et cetera, get help. Um, because not only are you, you doing yourself a favor by getting help and your family and your, your teammates, et cetera, you're setting that example um, for generations to come that, Hey, it really is okay. You know, because we hear that a lot. Um, but we don't always see it. Right. And, and I understand some folks are quiet, you know, I'm really vocal about my recovery and I, and I do it as a way to give back, um, give back, um, to those that are, that are struggling because I, I promoted alcohol for so many years, um, in my career, in my life. So really, you know, just you, you, you become the change. Um, and, and you put it in action. If I could, one closing comment, Sergeant Cox. Uh, I talked about earlier how there's no position that's uh, too important where you can't be out. I'm going to say this. Uh, if you think you're struggling and you think you need help, it's important to get help, as our Major Shad said. I'd say if you're struggling and you're on the fence and you don't know if you should take that step forward to go get help, look at what's most important to you in life, whether that's your, your wife, your kids, your soldiers, uh, whatever that is. Look at the most significant, the most significant thing in your life, and then compare it to that alcohol, and see if you're willing to risk it to continue that path. Not saying that it, something bad's going to happen, but if something bad did happen, you're kind of sacrificing what's important to you, the most important thing, for something that probably isn't the most important to you. So, prioritize your life and, and uh, get help if you need it.
If you feel like you need help, contact the Army Substance Abuse Program. For active Army soldiers, the number is 703-681-6452. For Army Reservists, 910-570-8296. And for National Guard soldiers, 803-513-0122.